0: the Pope didn't say that. Read the encyclical, Okay, he did say that. But it's massively out of context. Have you read it? Would you? Oh, for Pete's sake, come along with me as I read the words of the bishops of Rome so I can understand for myself what they said and stop being dragged around by all the cricket It's the magisterium. Let's understand it. Welcome back Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I am glad you are here listening. I hope that you have enjoyed what we are doing so far. Reading Pescendi Dominici Gregis, uh the first one. Um from now on I will be reading the encyclical. Um and we will be discussing it together. And I am so glad that you are here. Feel free to hang out with us on Instagram. Feel free to email me. Both of those links will be in the notes. Um, Obviously, please subscribe to this podcast so that you can listen to the whole thing with me. Anyhow, last time we read the introduction. We chatted about who the original audience was for this encyclical spoilers he probably would have lost his mind if he thought there was going to be a book club on the internet led by a laywoman with no seminary training none of those things would have seemed reasonable at the time um none of them and we talked about how um the idea that priests as heretics is not new Um, we also talked about keeping our belief under control um, not letting a sin become an idea that we treasure and then become a guiding star like let's acknowledge our sins as sins let's look at the ideas that we hold um from perhaps a confessional uh view like let's let's put all of these things into the light as often as we can and Um, or as often as is reasonable. Don't be scrupulous. Also, that can be problematic. But with some reasonable frequency, go over your behavior and your thought patterns and see if they are in line with what you actually profess. Um, All good things. So next, um, before I get started reading, I'm going to try doing a glossary first. Um we st- I talked about this before some words have changed since 1907 um some are just phil- uh, f- philosophy jargon others are just you know five dollar words and I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page so if you would prefer to have the glossary after feel free again instagram email give me a buzz but um maybe it'll be helpful to have it before so you have an idea of what these words might mean There are some places where what they mean and how he's using them is a little confusing. So, anyhow, we'll start with a real easy one. Phenomena. Uh, This is a philosophy word that comes up a lot. It's one of those, well, yeah, if you say it, it means things that are perceptible. Stuff you can see, touch, you, you can perceive that something is green. You can perceive that something is large. You can perceive that there are... That my nose is sniffly. So these are phenomena. Uh, Like I said, it's one of those that it needs to be defined just because uh, philosophers are going to use it weirdly. But once you have the definition, you're like, oh, yeah, duh. But philosophers use it a lot here's one that's changed agnosticism he's going to define this one himself inside of the encyclical which i think is super helpful as a reminder we're not in 2020 anymore um he, he says human reason is confined entirely within the field of phenomena to say that is to say to things that are perceptible to the senses and in the manner which in which they are perceptible it has no right and no power to transgress these limits um So 2021, where we're likely to say agnosticism is people who are unsure about religion, maybe uncertain about a god, maybe unwilling to make a call. Um, My SSPX friend is yelling, pick a team from the sidelines. Agnosticism in those days was a solid assertion like atheism, kind of. You cannot know anything about anything you cannot touch. Therefore, you cannot you cannot declare whether or not there is a God. In the way that Catholics say you cannot understand the Trinity, that it is a mystery. An agnostic says you cannot know there is a God. It's not that we haven't looked hard enough, it's that it's impossible to know. You cannot make any any assertion in that direction whatsoever, since God is by definition insensible and if he weren't, he would not be God. Therefore, you cannot make any declarations about God. Okay. Um, so it's not a wishy-washy. It's a very firm position. Um, and that's what's meant. Not the more modern can be a little wishy-washy. Sometimes agnostics are historical agnostics. They are, even in 21, sometimes agnostics are, no, we can't know. There might be a God. There might not be. But I can't. No one can know. And if you think you know, you're wrong. Um natural theology natural theology the next three are a little they blend but natural theology is stuff you can know about god by looking around um explaining original sin to people by appealing to their own experience their own feeling um the fact that when we do science we assume that it's going to make some kind of sense that sort of thing that there we believe in internal consistency and that's natural theology this like you're looking around and this is what you can tell for about the unseeable untouchable universe from the touchable one motives of credibility these are the rational grounds for accepting divine revelation Example, you are, and you rightly should be, incredulous of Zeus's deity, for example. You would need some seriously extraordinary proof before you would be like, okay, Zeus exists, it's that guy. Um, And that's right. Uh, Motives of credibility are arguments outside of divine revelation that kind of soften the way to divine revelation, so it's not hard like, deciding that Zeus is real it's you kind of have an idea that there is a first cause there is an ultimate good because there is better and worse and therefore there is a best and whatever is best is god there has everything has a start so it seems reasonable to say that there must be or everything has a cause so there must be a first cause that person the person who pushes the dominoes down we see a really elaborate room full of dominoes all tipped over. Well, somebody put it that way. And so like things like Alquinus's five ways would fall here. Um, you can prove that it is at least fitting for God to exist. It would explain a lot of things. And it's hard to argue against. Therefore, when Jesus comes along and explains that he is the son of God and he proves it by you know, raising people from the dead, making the blind see, making the lame walk and then, you know, being brutally killed and raising himself, okay. You know what? That's enough. I can I, I am not so opposed because I have these motives of credibility. I'm not so opposed to the idea of deity that I'm like, "No, no, that's not possible." Okay. Moving on. External revelation more of the above and i'm gonna be honest i'm not really strictly sure i'm not a trained philosopher so i'm not totally clear on all of the nuances here but um external revelation is kind of the very rocks crying out to the glory of god that you can see that what god has created points back to him um so yeah when when people talk about those things they're all very very close together and i've insofar as I have read things that use them I've seen them kind of used as synonyms for each other so if there's a greater nuance there that I'm not getting feel free to hit me up in an email um, intellectualism this is a little fussy to this was a this was a word that was kind of in flux at this point so it can be a little interesting to pinpoint what is being talked about Intellectualism is defined in the Catholic Dictionary as uh, the belief that intellectual pursuits are like the first thing. Morality comes beneath intellect, uh, beneath like science and thought, and philosophy, Um, ethics. Same, Um, pursuing knowledge most important thing. Um, Being smart most important attribute. But there's also uh, there's also a camp that would call like Thomas Aquinas as a part of the intellectualism um they would posit that there was a again it's hard to pinpoint without being kind of offensive in a way that people might not be um but intellectualism might mean to that person that period in the middle ages where people were doing a lot of theology work and they were really making theology a science and there was a lot of rigor associated with what people now say is just a wishy-washy nothing and so they would bundle all that up into intellectualism um and that kind of actually seems to be what when we get there you can decide what you think but um officially the definition would be that intellectual pursuits are prime of primary importance Oh, and then a a quickie, recondite means obscure or little known. So let's get started. We are on paragraph five. If you're reading along on the Vatican website, and I have lost my book, so I don't know what page we are on. Um, It's with my notebook somewhere. Okay, analysis of modernist teaching. To proceed in an orderly manner in this recondite subject, it must first of all be noted that every modernist sustains and comprises within himself many personalities. He is a philosopher, a believer, a theologian, a historian, a critic, an apologist, a reformer. These roles must be clearly distinguished from one another by all who would accurately know their system and thoroughly comprehend the principles and consequences of their doctrines. Agnosticism, its philosophical foundation, We begin, then, with the philosopher. Modernists place the foundation of religious philosophy in that doctrine which is usually called agnosticism. According to this teaching, human reason is confined entirely within the field of phenomena, that is to say, to things that are perceptible to the senses, and in the manner in which they are perceptible, it has no rights and no power to transgress these limits. Hence, it is incapable of lifting itself up to God and of recognizing his existence, even by means of visible things. From this, it is inferred that God can never be the direct object of science and that as regards history, he must not be considered as an historical subject. Given these premises, all will readily perceive what becomes of natural theology, of the motives of credibility, of external revelation. The modernists simply make away with them altogether. They include them in an intellectualism, which they call a ridiculous and long-ago defunct system. Nor does the fact that the Church has formally condemned these portentous errors exercise the slightest restraint upon them. Yet if the Vatican Council has defined, if anyone says that the one true God, our Creator and Lord, cannot be known with certainty by the natural light of human reason, by means of the things that are made, let him be anathema. And day revelation. Ah. And also, if anyone says that it is not possible or not expedient that man be taught through the medium of divine revelation about God and the worship to be paid to him, let him be anathema. And finally, if anyone says that divine revelation cannot be made credible by external signs and that therefore men should be drawn to the faith only by their personal internal experience or by private inspiration, let him be anathema. That's deep But how the modernists make the transition from agnosticism, which is a state of pure nescience, to scientific and historic atheism, which is a doctrine of positive denial, and consequently by what legitimate process of reasoning, starting from ignorance as to whether God has in fact intervened in the history of the human race or not, they proceed in their explanation of this history to ignore God altogether as if he had really had not intervened. Let him answer who can. Yet it is a fixed and established principle among them that both science and history must be atheistic, and within their boundaries there is room for nothing but phenomena. God and all that is divine are utterly excluded. We shall soon see clearly what, according to this most absurd teaching, must be held touching the most sacred person of Christ, what concerning the mysteries of his life and death and of his resurrection and ascension to heaven. Alright, so I decided that we are going to cut paragraphs 7 and 8 for now, um, because it was going a little long, and it's vital eminence is a lot to handle, so we are going to do that later. Um, but as I was reading, and I noticed earlier, it really reminds you of, uh, if, again, Bible in folks, if you are li- reading... If you're listening to the Bible in a year, talking about 1st Maccabees and 2nd Maccabees, how the first one is very just, this is what happened. You know, this is just a secular, uh, Father Mike called it, obviously it's scripture, but he's like, it's almost a secular uh, report of the facts. This is just, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened with not really any analysis of what God was doing at the time. No discussion of the prophets, um, no discussion of what is you know, the movement of God in things. And it's very much like, this is, this is what they're doing, right? Um, They want us to report the history without religion, but it doesn't make the least little bit of sense if you try, especially when you get down to the history of the saints. Why is that lady floating? Why is this guy, you know, allowing himself to be ripped limb from limb? Why is he so confident that he's going to heaven? Why is any of this why are princesses giving up all of their money why did 12 men continue to agree on something for a lot of years until 11 well no i guess i think matthias was also brutally murdered until most of them at the very minimum were brutally murdered and nobody ever fessed up like what about fatima we are not required to believe in these miracles but you kind of have to admit that that's a really big hallucination for everyone to have. It really just makes sense if you cave and admit that there probably is a world that you cannot do science on. And it doesn't even mean that it's not sensible, because we're saying we've sensed it. People see it regularly. See it. um, I mean, regularly. It's not like you see it on Tuesdays, guys. But throughout history there have always been boop 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 here's a person who's having visions and wow it turns out they're able even though they're an uneducated french peasant girl they're able to beat the entire english army um or just so many things that but what if it was true what if instead of tying yourself into pretzel knots trying to explain what happened you just took them at their word what if you just believed the girls in rwanda the most rational explanation becomes what if it's true and you know it's a question i can't answer any other way except to go to church and accept the eucharist and let his grace and glory throw, flow through my blood and also occasionally get off of social media because that noise will drive you bonkers <sighs> you want you want to pretend if there's anything that science has taught me, it's that almost everything that's worth knowing is insensible. (laughs) Once you accept that everything you've ever, ever known has come to you on the authority of someone else, because you cannot know even one one millionth of all of the information that's out there for yourself because you did the science, you can like you can do some studies, you can do science, and you can come by doing, you know, doing elementary and middle and high school level science, you can come to a place where you understand and trust others with their science, but almost everything you consider, including your own name, somebody else gave you that. Somebody else gave you that knowledge. It wasn't you. And if you stop pretending that you... Are the source of all information, and you acknowledge that you listen to authority. Maybe consider this one. Thanks for joining us this week on For Pete's Sake as we explore the words of Pope Pius X in Pascendi Dominici Gregis. Check us out on Instagram and subscribe on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can find links and resources in our show notes. Saint Peter, Ora Pro Nobis.